It's our long-awaited salary cap episode of the Locked On Giants podcast. Who are some of the names that I think could be cut? Who are some of the names that I think might have their contracts restructured? I'm going to tell you all this and more coming up next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you. Happy Monday, everybody. Now we count down to the Super Bowl. We know who the Super Bowl participants are and what an exciting Super Bowl it's going to be. And uh, needless to say, um, we won't see the Bucks. We won't see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Last year's Super Bowl participants. So always nice to see two new teams in the Super Bowl. But anyway, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. Or if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And thank you all so much for continuing to help me grow the YouTube channel. I now know what the free gift is going to be if I hit 2,000. Um, and uh, I will share that with you when I do hit 2000. So keep on uh, subscribing. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, hit that like button and that little bell to get notifications every time I post something new. All right. So on today's show, I've been promising you guys and gals a salary cap show. And I finally got around to doing it over the weekend. Um, I put out basically uh, three different articles. I did a part one, a part two, and a, a supplemental article that I'm going to talk about um, regarding the salary cap. And I'm going to tell you who I think the Giants should maybe look to move on from, um, who they should restructure. I'm also going to talk a little bit about how the Buffalo Bills have set up their salary cap, just to kind of give you an idea as to what we might expect from the Giants and new general manager, Joe Shane. Now, before I get into all that, Brian Dable, the new head coach, is scheduled to be formally introduced to the media on Monday at 10 a.m. So that means, folks, we're going to move the Twitter mailbag to Thursday. So no Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. I'm going to spend that show, uh, what the Tuesday show, I'm going to talk about some of the things Dable's had to say. I'm going to talk about my impressions, all that good stuff. So that's the plan for the show uh, for tomorrow. Again, so if you want to get in on the mailbag, Twitter Thursday will be the day. So you know what to do. I have all the information down in the show notes. Just go ahead and tweet them to me at Patricia underscore trainer with the hashtag AskPTrain. Or if you want to email them to me, send them to LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com and we'll incorporate as many as we can in the mailbag. And also, those that I don't get into the mailbag on the podcast, I'm putting them also into um, the Giants Country Mailbag, which comes out every Saturday. So check out the Giants Country Mailbag, um, because I know there were some questions that came in that I put out into that one. So, all right, let's get to business. Let's get down to business here. And um, I want to talk about first the Bill's salary cap management tactics, because this I think this is important to kind of understand what we might see from the Giants moving forward. 
And this article, which I'll link to in, in the show notes, is on Giants Country, but I'm just going to kind of go through it real quick because it's very important. The Bills, um, Brandon Bean, when he took over as general manager with Joe Shane as his assistant general manager, the Bills salary cap was an absolute mess, kind of like the Giants is now. And they implemented some different tactics which have helped restore health to their fiscal situation. And I'm going to talk about them because um, once free agency starts with the Giants, I think these are some of the things we need to look for in new contracts. Okay, so what's one thing that popped out at me? The Bills have low average per year cap hits. All right, so with the exception of quarterback Josh Allen, I did not see a, a single player with an annual contract average over $18 million. And um, if I counted correctly, seven of the Bills players under contracts have an average earning that uh, tops $10 million, which means that the players aren't overpaid. They're not, they don't have inflated numbers because, you know, their first year number was low of their contract and then it swelled up. Um, there wasn't a lot of uh, restructuring, I think, involved in some of those contracts. But anyway, what this ensures is that the Bills are not top heavy like the Giants are. So using data from Spotrack, I calculated the Bills top five, the average of the top five cap hits, and um, they account for 35.9% of the Bills total cap. The Giants, their top five account for 47.1%. And they have three players, the Giants, Leonard Williams, Kenny Galladay, and Adore Jackson, who each account for at least 10% or more of the team's total cap space. You can't have that, folks, and have a healthy cap. Just can't have that. Especially when potentially now you're looking at next year signing Daniel Jones to a long-term contract, assuming you don't pick up his option year, which I don't think they will. Um, Saquon Barkley may need his contract redone, assuming they don't trade him. Um, they got, the Giants got to get that under control. And coming up, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, how I would get some of those contracts under control. You can't do all of them, but you can take, certainly take a look at some of them. All right. This thing, this next item really stood out at me. This, this was kind of fascinating and I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can, but Josh Allen's contract is set up with, um, I guess the best way to describe it is tiered guaranteed earnings. So in other words, as opposed to saying, okay, in 2024, um, Josh Allen's contract is going to call for a $23.5 million guaranteed base salary. Allen actually has to earn that in two tiers, two steps, if you will. So, um, again, that just so happens to be the case. In 2024, he's due a $23.5 million base salary. But in order for that to be fully guaranteed, he has to be on the roster, um, on March 21st of 2022 and at that point if he is he will get 10 million of that 2024 base salary guaranteed and if he's on the roster as of March 21st 2023 then the remaining 13.5 million becomes fully guaranteed all right and this is really good because if for some reason something were to happen and Josh Allen you know let's say he, he God forbid 
uh, suffered a career-ending injury or his performance declined so badly, the Bills give themselves some flexibility to get out from under without being committed to having to pay $23.4 million in guaranteed money to someone who may or may not cool tactic, I think. And, um, you know, I, I was... Uh, I would not be surprised if we see the Giants starting to to use that on some of their bigger contracts. Okay, another thing that stood out was the use of roster bonuses, which is something, interestingly enough, the Giants haven't used a lot of, certainly not, um, you know, last year. So the benefit of using a roster bonus is that it lessens the signing bonus, all right? And ideally, the roster bonus will coincide with all or part of the base salary that's guaranteed but um, of course that's not mandatory so anyway 16 players on the Buffalo Bills that are under contract for 2022 have a roster bonus whereas only five members of the Giants under contract have a roster bonus so the way it works is is let's say um, I sign a contract for three years not uh, three years 12 million and I have a not a a, um, a three million signing bonus so that prorates to one million per year but my agent says to the giants okay we want a little bit more than just a three million signing bonus we want a uh, a six million signing bonus so what the giants could do is say okay we'll give you um roster bonuses of one million for each year of the life of the contract and what that does is instead of giving me a 12 million signing bonus to where now I have the Giants would would be on the hook for um, 4 million per year. The signing bonus, you you could take 1 million off and now it's 3 million because now you've got the roster bonuses, which may or may not be guaranteed. You know, obviously if I'm going to gamble on myself, I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to be on the roster and I'm going to collect the roster bonuses, but it helps lower the, uh, the, the signing bonus liability because the signing bonus is prorated over the life of the contract. So that was another thing that stood out. Another thing that stood out was game day bonuses. Now, game day bonuses, this is something I was quite frankly not, I was surprised that the Giants didn't use more of last year, especially with guys who were coming off of injuries. Game day bonuses are a great way to protect yourself because if a player you know, it's coming off a major injury and you don't know if you're going to have him, you know, for for 17 games. Or if you have a player who's kind of like a borderline type, you know, you might have him active one week, you might not the next week because of strategy and personnel decisions. This is a great way to get money back on the cap. And it does add up, you know, initially it doesn't look like a lot, but it does add up. So anyway, um, the Bills have 15 players signed to their uh, to their cap that are eligible for per game roster bonuses and the Giants only have two out of 51 players currently under contract, which kind of surprised me because again, it's a great tool to use. If, if you sign a player and you give him a per game roster bonus and he misses eight games. So let, let's say the, the per game roster bonus is what um, I'm trying to think of, a, of an even number here. Let's say it's a million. All right, and you divide that million by by 17 games, all right? And if the player misses eight games, you take the per game uh, roster bonus, multiply that times eight, and that becomes a cap credit 
that the team gets back at the end of the year. So really surprised the Giants didn't use a whole lot of, you know, pro-game roster bonuses last year. I know they use incentives, playtime incentives, uh, statistical incentives. But, you know, the gamble there is if guys get injured, then you have those guys um, who you gave incentives to having a pretty good chance of hitting those incentives. So those incentives as a rule, they count against the current year salary cap. And you get credited at the end of the year if a guy doesn't hit a specific incentive, whether it be play time, whether it be, you know, so many sacks in the season, whether it be so many touchdowns or what have you. So, uh, again, kind of surprised the Giants went more heavy on that than they did on, um, you know, the the uh, play time or, or I should say the game day bonuses. So, all right. Still have more to come. There's a few more differences that I've noticed about the Bills and how they set things up. That's still to come, as well as my plan to help the Giants get some salary cap space in 2022. That's coming up next. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, if you're aiming to eat healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but without the calories and without the sugar. Most Built Bars have about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, making it easy to stick to any diet plan. Head on over to BuiltBar.com today and use our special promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your first order again that code is lock15 l o c k e d 15 for 15% off your first order at builtbar.com all right giant fans welcome back to the locked on giants podcast patricia trainer here with you it's monday and this is a salary cap show i promised you guys a salary cap show and um did some research over the weekend, came up with a list of ways that the Buffalo Bills have done things differently. And I mentioned that because, you know, Brian, um, Brian Dable, Joe Shane coming from the Buffalo Bills. I'm sure we'll start to see some of the tactics that were used up in Buffalo make their way down to the Giants. And these some of these tactics, like I said, surprising that the Giants haven't used them a little bit more often, but certainly things to keep an eye out for. And um, I, I do want to mention them. And then I'm going to get into salary cap uh, cuts and restructures that I think the Giants can make in order to improve the, the health of their salary cap. So that is coming up. Let's get back to the list of things that are different between what the Buffalo Bills do with their cap and what the Giants do with theirs. All right. Um, this one actually kind of shocked me a little bit because in the old days, workout bonuses were the thing. It's like every player just about got a workout bonus. Now, maybe the Giants didn't hand them out because they were trying to cut corners. It's possible. But the Bills have not only made use of the workout bonus, they've made heavy use of that. And what I mean by that is the average of their um, workout bonuses comes out to about $138,000 per player. The Giants' average is $82,857 per player. And uh, the Bills have 22 players who had a workout bonus on their roster for 2022. The Giants only have seven. So, you know, the question here is, will the Giants give out workout bonuses? 
um, especially since they're so tight against the cap. They might. Um, the benefit here is twofold. Number one, it, it encourages the players to get their butts in the building. And just to, you know, just spitballing here, but ideally I think you, you probably want to supervise the workouts that these players are doing as opposed to what they're doing with private trainers, just to make sure everybody's kind of, you know, getting ready according to how you need them to get ready. But more importantly, if a player doesn't match or doesn't meet the minimum criteria to trigger that bonus, guess what, folks? That gets credited back to the cap. So the minimum, if I remember correctly, in the past was 90%. I don't know if that's the league minimum or if that was just the Giants minimum. I think the teams set what the minimum number of workout bonuses need to be. And obviously with, you know, COVID and some of these workout bonuses having to be um, done you know, some of the workouts, I should say, having to be done remotely. I'm not sure how that all factors in, but still, it's an added incentive to give to a player. And it's easy money. All it means is just show up, put your two, three hours in, and then, you know, do that for however many times out of the, you know, let's say there's 20 workouts. You show up for, for I don't know, 90% of them. Easy money. I mean, why wouldn't you want it? And, you know, if a player is so intent that, oh, I'm going to work out on my own, it's a cap credit. So definitely a, a method I think we'll start to see. Um, the other differences, the bills, um, I did not see any contracts that had voidable years in them, which was a mechanism that the Giants used this past year in order to fit contracts under their salary cap. And the drawback to using voidable years is that you get hit with dead money for players who are not on your roster. So, for example, the Giants this year, Nate Solder has a voidable year. All right. He is not going to be on the 2022 roster, but his four million in dead money is. And, you know, dead money teams are going to have dead money regardless. All right. You, you just can't avoid it. It happens. The trick, though, is not to rack up a lot of dead money. Um, I went and I looked up the average dead money that the Bills had and the Giants over a set period of time. So the Giants, um, I'm sorry, the Bills from 2017 to 2019, which is when Bean and Shane were first, you know, took over the the, uh, the management of the roster and whatnot, they averaged 38736000 in dead money. And between 20 and tw 2020 and 2022, the average has dropped to about $7.86 That's a pretty good healthy number there, all right? Because you want, again, you want to have um, room to absorb more dead money as you cut players from the, you know, the training camp 90-man roster. All right. Now, what about the Giants? I went back to the start of the Dave Gettleman era. So from 2018 to 2019, they averaged $49.527 million in dead money. All right. That's a lot. That's a lot, folks. All right. Now, from, uh, let's see, from 2020 to 2022, that has dropped to about 13548 million, which is a little better. You know, it's, it's not ideal, but it's better. 
Now, the good news is, is as of this recording, the Giants per spot track have $289,206 in dead money, which means they are set up to absorb dead money if they make some deep cuts on their, their roster to save some salary cap space, which, by the way, I, de- I think they're going to do. So that being said, who are they going to cut? Who are they going to restructure? I'll give you some ideas if you hang around. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But if you do a lot of driving like I do, you need to know about the Get Upside app, which offers savings every time you fill up at the pump. Download the free Get Upside app today and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN when you sign up to get at least 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up at participating gas stations. You can cash out anytime you want to your bank account, PayPal, or you can get an e-gift card to Amazon and other brands. So download the free Get Upside app today to get started on saving every time you fill up at the pump. And don't forget to use that special promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the segment you probably have been waiting for, and that is the Giant Salary Cap who is going to be cut, who's going to be restructured. Now, before I get into this, obviously, the article is on uh, Giants Country where I have some charts and whatnot as far as showing monies, including a master spreadsheet that I put together, which um, for me to put it on the screen, it's it, it would be hard to read, I think, because of, of the way it's set up. So I will put the link in the show notes if you want to check that out. But, um, you know, when I put this article together, this part... Um, originally I had hoped to have it done Saturday, but with it, when it comes to the salary cap, you got to check numbers, you got to, you know, calculate stuff. I, I, I tried to look up all the rules for different things and, you know, I'm pretty sure I got most of them, but you know, maybe there's some things, I hope there's, there's not a lot that were overlooked, but, um, so that was one challenge. And then the other challenge is we have a new GM, we have a new head coach. I have no idea who they're going to want, all right? So I might say, for example, that player X should be cut or will be cut. And turns out the coaching staff and Joe Shane might say, "Uh uh-uh, we want this guy. So this is just a best guess. It is not definite. It is not driven by any insider information. This is just me putting on my capologist hat and trying to come up with a workable plan. And the plan that I came up with, came up with um, $47.49 million in savings, but it's not a true savings because the Giants are uh, 10.215 in the red in cap space, according to Over the Cap, and their functional cap space is in the red as well, 22.788. So... The numbers have to be adjusted. And again, there's a chart on Giants Country. I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. So let's get down to business, who I think is going to be cut and why. And I'll also talk a little bit about any savings. All right. First off, I've got James Bradbury not sticking around. James Bradbury, you know, I mentioned uh, before about the Giants being top heavy, having five guys that account for 
47.1% of the salary cap in 2022. And James Bradbury is right up there. He's got a cap hit of 21.763 million in 2022. They're not carrying that number. They can't carry that number. All right. So if he were to be cut, the Giants would save potentially $13.4 million and have a $9.727 million dead money hit. Now remember, I told you in, in the last segment, the Giants had a low dead money hit. It was in the hundreds of thousands. I think it was like two sixty or something like that. So they're going to have some dead money this year, folks. But the good news is, is the cap will get better, I think, after this year. So why do I have James Bradbury not sticking around? Basically, the production, you know, he he had the Pro Bowl season the first year. The production kind of fell off a little bit last year. Um, the draft class is loaded this year. Um, one of the benefits of, of uh, the pandemic, if you will, is that a lot of players got an extra year of college eligibility. So you have more talent coming out this year at certain positions. Cornerback is one. The Giants also have, I think, a, a few young guys whom Jerome Henderson, the defensive backs coach, groomed and was able to get to play at a decent enough level. And if I'm not mistaken, and I'd have to go back and look at the stack, the uh, snap counts, I think Adoree Jackson was more or less your their man coverage guy when he was healthy. And, you know, Bradbury, um, I don't want to say lost some of the shine off of his star, but, you know, you, you just kind of detected something shifted there in terms of responsibility. So anyway, I don't see the Giants carrying that cap. You know, it's nothing personal against Bradbury, but that's a steep number to carry. And I just don't see them carrying it. All right. Next guy I see not sticking around, tight end Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph has a cap hit of $7.408 million. Potential savings there of $5 million with dead money hit $2.408 million. Now, my rule of thumb when I look at contracts is the potential cap savings, generally I'd like to see it at least double whatever the dead money number is, usually. All right. Sometimes it's not going to be double exactly, but you want to see the potential savings higher than the dead money hit. This is a case where it's it's a, a little more than double. And the thing with Kyle Rudolph is he was signed to be a red zone threat, a red zone scoring threat, which he had been in Minnesota all his career. But yet when he got here, you know, what happened? He, he was barely used in the red zone. I think he had red, eight red zone targets, caught three, and he had one touchdown. Now, could he conceivably be a red zone target with this new coaching staff? Sure. Absolutely. This Remember what I said before, the new coaching staff might disagree and say, you know, we want this guy, even though, you know, this guy might not be uh, necessarily worth keeping, you know. But the tight end class, from what I understand, has some options. And I think if Evan Ingram walks, which I believe will be the case, you just start all over. You've got Caden Smith, who's under contract. You just start all over again and you see if you can't build up that position younger, cheaper, and faster. All right, now, what about the numbers for Sterling Shepard? So 
Currently, his cap hit is $12.495 million. If they cut him uh, this year, before June 1st, they would save $4.505 million with a $7.99 million dead money hit. And what did I say before? Ideally, you want your savings to be twice the number of the dead money. So this is why I think they're going to make him a post-June 1st uh, roster move. The savings then gets beefed up to $8.5 million. The dead money drops to $3.995 million this year and then $3.995 million next year. Now, the drawback, there is one drawback here with a post-June 1st cut, and that is... They can't use the savings until after June 1st. But here's the good news. The Giants are going to have a draft class to sign. All right. And they're going to need roughly, if, if assuming that they stay in the fifth slot overall, they're going to need roughly $12 million in functional cap space, maybe a little bit more than $12 million in functional cap space, which basically means the difference between the draft pick replacing somebody who's in the top 51. So my thinking is take the optimal cap savings and use that to sign your draft class, to sign your undrafted rookie rookies that you might be looking to, to bring on. And also now you have some money to, to play around with going into the summer if you need to you know, bring guys in and out. So that's my thinking there, why I think if the Giants move on from Shepard, They'll make him a post-June 1st cap hit. I think it makes the most sense. Now, here's one other thing about Shepard that I need to mention. Shepard has, he suffered a season-ending injury. I think it was like the second or third to last game of the year. I think it was an Achilles. What I wasn't able to find, and I'm still looking for it, is how the injuries, if, how and if an injury settlement factors in. I don't know exactly the rules i've been looking for that and i and i've got feelers out for that so i apologize i don't have that information but usually when a player is coming off of an injury in order to avoid an injury settlement that happened you know as a result of an injury suffered during the season the player needs to be able to pass a physical so all the more reason why you would want to wait before you know designating Shepard, you know, as, as a cut. I mean, you could still let him go today, I suppose, or, or, you know, in February, but I could see the Giants maybe waiting to give him an opportunity to heal up. And, you know, look, I wouldn't mind if they waited. I mean, Shepard has been a, a good soldier for them. You know, he's the longest tenured member on that team. So, you know, that that's a move, quite honestly, if they make it, I would hate that move because Shepard's been such a good, you know, soldier, like I said, but this is business and you know unfortunately sometimes business decisions just they suck so all right um the next guy that i have down is a cut punter riley dixon now another rule i look at or another practice that i look at when i put together these projections is if a player is either in the last year of his contract or has a year remaining in his contract usually that makes him a prime candidate to be cut if he has out, you know, if, if his contract is bigger than his production. I thought Riley Dixon last year, while not a horrible punter, was wildly inconsistent. 
Part of that, I think, was because he was maybe asked to do some things that weren't quite a fit for what he did well. And I I sense at times, you know, just in looking back at some of the film, was he pressing a little bit? He might have been. But all that being said, inconsistencies just drove me nuts. And um, this might be a case also of, of where the coaching staff might say, you know what, we can we can deal with it. We'll just streamline what we ask him to do and we'll keep him. But Riley Dixon has a 3.12 million cap hit. If he is cut, they will save him two, they will save 2.9 million and they'll have a dead money total of 320,556 this according to Spotrac uh, I'm sorry according to over the cap now also when it comes to Dixon he has a $250,000 roster bonus due March 22nd so add it all together and if the giants move on from him they're looking at almost 3 million in savings and that would be certainly enough to to sign maybe a a veteran to a minimum of serv- minimum salary deal, or you know, maybe even devote that to a, a the first year number of a backup quarterback, or perhaps even a you know an offensive lineman. So it's worth you know it's worth considering. I think. Okay, up first for a restructure, I have Blake Martinez. Now Martinez, as we know. He is coming off of a uh, of a torn ACL. Should be okay to go. And, you know, some people were like, well, you know, will the Giants keep him or get rid of him? I think the Giants will keep him. I mean, Martinez, his production, you know, has been solid. He's a leader. You know, he's a, he's a good locker room presence. I can't see, you know necessarily getting rid of him because of the injury. Um, he does have a 14 point. 025 million cap hit which is i think fifth out of the the top heavy guys and um you know i I think what will probably happen here is maybe the giants will look to restructure now would they look to maybe give a pay cut possibly but you know the, the thing with pay cuts to be honest with you i mean if a guy is constantly injured then maybe you look to do that but you know I always feel that injuries are not a guy's fault. So I personally wouldn't do a straight up pay cut unless the guy was just injured and just not producing period. And and he would have to, he would have to show it over a period of time. So I think what the giants will probably look to do with Martinez is lower his base salary, um, convert money into a signing bonus. Um, and, uh, tack on an extra year. I think Martinez is in the final year of his contract. Let me just double check. Yeah. Yeah. 2022 is the final year of his deal. All right. So I think the way I've set this up is you trim off $5 million from his base salary, convert that into a signing bonus. Now that ups his prorated bonus to about $8 million and but it lowers his cap number to about $10.6 million. All right. So, um, that's a savings. Again, his original cap number was 14.025 million. You can lower it to about 10.6. And then you tack on avoidable year, which I know we don't want to run up a lot of avoidable years, but the cap number as far as dead money goes is 2.5 million, which is not too bad if you go that route. So, all right. Leonard Williams. This is a contract I'm curious to see if the Giants are going to touch. 
Leonard Williams has a cap hit of $27.3 million. And I think I did something similar with Williams um, where I tacked on a voidable year. So the final year of his deal is 2023. And I did put a voidable year. You know, what I, again, what I did was I took... 10 million off of his base salary, his 19 million base salary, which by the way, his $19 million base salary is guaranteed. So he has to get 19 million in, um, in cash guaranteed this year. So I, I took off the 10 million from the base salary, converted it into a signing bonus because he's going to get that money up front. Then he'll earn the 9 million remaining of the 19 million that's guaranteed and i converted that 10 million into a signing bonus which pushes his number up especially for 2023 it does push his number up to about 29.63 million but remember in 2023 the television contract money is going to kick in again it's going to push some money some dead money into avoidable year but that 2024 avoidable year the dead number comes out to like something like 3.33 million, which again, is not a big amount. So I'm not a fan, by the way, of doing voidable years because if you're going to have a, have a cap charge, ideally you want the player on your roster. But, you know, at the same time, I figured with Leonard Williams, there was a reason why they had the contract end in 2023. And um, this kind of sticks to that structure. So that's what I, that's why I took that approach with this particular, um, with this particular deal. All right. The other one that I restructured a bit is Kenny Galladay's. He has a current cap hit of 21.15 million. Um, and I think what I did there was again, something similar where I took 10 million off the base salary and, uh, prorated it over the life of the, re the remaining life of the contract. Now, Galladay already has a voidable year in 2025. The contract voids on February 10th, 2025. So it's going, he's going to have um, a higher dead money hit in 2025. But again, by that time, you're talking, um, you're talking the salary cap is going to go up. All right, so I don't know what it's projected for 2025. I know in 2024, over the cap projects it to be 256 million. So I got to think it's going to be higher. The Giants will be able, I think, to to absorb that. So I'm not too concerned about, you know, that number going too far up. And like I said, you're going to have to make some concessions here and there, and some sacrifices in order to restore health. But I do think at the end of the day, the Giants can get the salary cap fixed after this year it's going to take a little finagling but it can be done so anyway those are my proposals i know a lot of you have asked me who do i think will be a cut who do i think will be restructured that's my answer will there be more there could be uh will all these guys have their contracts touched not necessarily again this is just my projections and uh you know what i recommend folks normally i i you know would have these charts for you on the screen but because i'm also doing the audio aspect of it check out the article i'm going to put the link in the show notes to giants country that's where you'll find all the charts and you'll be able to zoom in and look at them up close and everything like that because for me to go over all the numbers i think you know it might just sound like a bunch of jibber jabber and i don't want to confuse people any more than maybe i already have so anyway um that'll do it for today's show 
want to thank you for tuning in as always and also remind you again that Brian Dable's introductory press conference is scheduled for Monday. It's actually scheduled for 10 a.m. on Monday. I will be there. I will be live tweeting. I will have Instagram uh, pictures and uh, hopefully video clips. And after it is done, uh, I'm planning on recording Tuesday's pod. So I'll have my takeaways, um, notable things that were said and so on and so forth. So hope you will tune into that. And last but not least, folks, I, I have to thank you for an amazing month of January. I think the Lockdown Giants podcast hit all-time new highs, not just on YouTube, but also on our audio platforms. And I can't thank y'all enough for tuning in and listening. We've seen an increase in our numbers and I'm just humbled by that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for making the Locked on Giants podcast part of your day. And if you're making us the first listen of the day, we appreciate that as well. Be sure to tune in tomorrow. I'll have a brand new show for you. Until then, have a great one.